The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, October 6th, and that means it's a Wednesday during the football season, which can mean only one thing. It's a Brady Quinn football show. Oh, was that like a little uh, like party? Oh, a shotgun. That was my pump action, Benelli Nova shotgun, 12 games. So there you go. What do you think about these kids? You know, we just this just reminds me of Miami with the horns and like the you know doing weird celebration stuff. I saw somebody, I think it was some baseball team. It was the who was it? They're doing a uh, a home run jacket. Was it a turnover jacket? What sport was it? Maybe it's football. Who, who knows? I I'm just it's sad to me now that these kids need an incentive to get a turnover or whatever the case was like. I remember like in high school, we used to put like stickers on our helmet when we have like a big hit, turnover, touchdown, whatever. Um, there used to be other little incentives, but it wasn't like, hey, mom, look at me. It's just me on camera. I've got a chain on. I've got a jacket. I've got like, you know, the money bag. Like I, I didn't need all that. You know, yeah. like I, I just I, I didn't even need the name on the back of my jersey. Like I remember when I was in college, I was just like the numbers enough. Like I want you to remember the numbers, So you'll remember all oh, that was that dude wore 10, like no one else remembered him. That's um, true. I, I, I just, I hate it, but that's, that's the culture we live in right now. You know, the culture of social media and everyone's a brand and everyone's got their own way of trying to endorse uh, things and themselves and sell themselves. It's a yeah. You know, back when, uh, back when you and I were in college, not at the same, you know, we were at the same time, but maybe a little, maybe like, well, I mean, probably based on, uh, you know, my lengthy tenure at school, we probably had a little overlap in terms of. Yeah, you had a victory lap, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a very yeah, slow victory yeah. lap. I, I um, look, I don't hold a victory lap versus anyone. Like I think if like I had a buddy, okay, I'll put it this way, childhood friend. He transferred for two years straight, all right, four different schools. Every semester he transferred. And I remember he came to Notre Dame, we were talking one night, and I go, Man, let me just give you a piece of advice. Keep transferring. I don't know how long it's gonna take you to finish your degree because not everything transfers over. You can write the coolest book when it's all said and done because you're you're gonna have eight colleges, if not more, at least of like campus experience, parties, whatever. That would be a legendary book. Like I would read that book because it sounds like you'd be like the most foreknown expert on partying on college campuses that the world's ever seen. And of course, he didn't take that piece of advice, but you know, well, it's neither here nor there. And he did go to grad school, though. Um, <laughs> the, no, no. Obviously. I'm not even sure he finished, to be honest with you. Right, right, right. He, yeah, he, he couldn't make it all the way around the world. But my point was, we were in college at around the same time. And I mean, I, I'm glad I was in college when I was, because at the time, you know, you could go out to a bar and, uh, you know, have some drinks. And maybe I'm not saying you would do any particular thing, but, you know, you weren't going to be filmed 24-7. No and, one's uh, going to see you blacked out drunk. 
like and right. film you and then use it against you to either not hire you as an employee or get you in trouble. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. I mean, get you in trouble with your boss. Like hypothetically exactly. speaking, if you were doing something at a bar in somewhere in Ohio, uh, which is how was my segue to the urban Meyer situation, which got uh, a little, look, I mean, this is, I was trying to explain to my, my wife, my AK, my wife before we, before we were doing the show that like the whole thing. And it's, it's almost, it's almost like hard to explain because you really have to, I mean, I think, I think like, this, this thing in Jacksonville is not going well. I mean, so I, I would guess what, like, what, I mean, you know, the behavior in the bar and then the videotapes that surface aside, you know, he leaves his team when they're flying back after a loss to get to 0 and 4. And that's sort of the buzz that, that I think you hear coming out a lot from NFL reporters that it has caused a, a large amount of dysfunction in the, in the locker room and in, yeah, in that building. I what I was going to ask, do you as a player, no, I don't care. And, and and there's times when players would leave when you had a three like a three day week like a weekend coming up like that or a bye week. Uh, if it's their ten day mini bye, yeah, right. But uh, you know, th- if you have that amount of time off, which they did, you know, there will be players who stay. Like they won't, they won't, they'll stay if that's their hometown. Where like if they played somewhere like that, and they won't fly back with a team. So uh, players have done it before. In my experience, coaches do it a lot more in college, and I guess they'll stay to recruit. And that's where obviously there's a drastic difference between the NFL and college. Mm. Um, you know, I think as long as it was okay with the owner and Shad Khan, if he told him that, he said, yeah, of course, like I get it. You, you came down here to coach at Jacksonville and you've got family still there in Columbus. You want to see your grandkids and you've been grinding away, you know, here, so be it. Um, so I, I think the whole flight thing is being blown out of proportion. Okay. I, I've said this and I'll stand by this. The media doesn't like Urban Meyer. They are looking to look for any little thing to pick at and make a big deal about. Mike Silver's making up stuff right now. He made up stuff back when I was playing. He has the, one of the worst reputations amongst players in the NFL. Mike Lombardi, and I've said other people who've spoke up, they want that job. I spoke to one of foreign office executives. So what's the deal? They said, we think he's going to be okay. You know, he's got more of the locker room. Those guys understood. You know, did, did people maybe laugh or think it's funny? I'm sure. There's, there's probably some players who weren't bothered by it at all. And there's probably some players who were bothered by it a lot. Um, I think when you say bothered thing, by it, you mean the video, not the or or what the, what he how he explained the video. Right? Yeah, the flight the flight thing is like no offense. It's for all the reporters to talk. No one gives a shit. No one cares. Okay. Like I just cussed. Sorry, Debo. You can cut that out. No one cares. Believe it. It's it's the to me it, it's the accountability of saying one thing. Like what was it week two or week three when he came out and made that public statement about how they're working hard and they're going to figure this out. And they're going to turn it around. And then you have that surface, you know, that's the hard thing is there's going to be a lot of guys who are rubbed the wrong way where you're saying one thing and doing another. And, and I'm not saying that he's doing that all the time. Right. Because that's just one instance of him going out to his restaurant with his family and him staying after later than he should have. And, and that's where bad things happen. That's where, Things get blown out of proportion. And that's where, you know, look, when I first saw the first video, I had a general idea of, I think, what was going on. And I didn't need a second video to confirm one thing or another. Um, it, was more of, it was more of the, hey, that's a personal issue that he's going to have to deal with as a man mm-hmm. with his, his family and wife. He's got daughters. And that's, that's tough. And that's not for me to judge or say anything about. I'm not perfect. Um, but I, I think the concerning thing for football as it's related is, does that then change the way the locker room looks at you where you're up there saying all this stuff and now it makes him not flying back to the team. It does make it look worse. And now right. it makes 
the 0-4 record look worse, and it makes those statements look worse. And so all those things, when something like this happens, make it look like that much worse, and now it makes it easier for ownership because of the moral clause within his contract to move on from you, which, you know, that's one of the things I know has been talked about and people have brought up. Can I be honest with you? I think if things got bad, I think Coach Meyer would step down before he would have shotgun fire. I really do, because that's just that's how I think he is. I think he's he's not in it to just have a money grab where he's going to make some sort of contest to you know go back and forth about his buyout or whatever's owed. Oh, I, I think the losing is way more likely to get him than any sort of like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so you know this is a personal deal that he's got to deal with, and it's a personal deal that he's going to have to handle within that locker room. But as as everyone knows in the NFL, it's a week to week deal. If they come back and win this next week. Do you think we're going to be talking about this anymore? Well, probably not. Uh, probably not. I, I think uh, we were slacking about this, DMing about this, and, and uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Somebody pointed out they're like, you know, if he win, if he wins the next two games, like he beats the Titans and the Dolphins, this is probably going to go away. And, I, and my point was, if they get to two and four, it's probably going to be uh, it'll go from volcano exploding under nuclear reactor hot to lava running through the streets of Dallas in July hot. But then you get you know win four games and you're like if they, if they're four and oh this is a sort of a i mean just the way that things operate unfortunately this would be turned into like a look like it, it would almost be spun in a not a, i i don't i don't even know if it's as hot as everyone thinks it is okay because you have to remember he took this job with some baggage so if that's the case like don't you think ownership kind of knew what they were getting themselves into like there might be some stuff that comes about now, you can go back through the summer at some of the decisions he made and question some different things, but it's no different than saying, hey, this is his first time being an NFL coach. He's going to make some mistakes. You know, he's going to, he's going to do some things that I think after a year, after two years, he might look back and say, ah, I wish I would have done that differently. I mean, look, look, and I'm not trying to make a direct correlation between him and Cliff Kingsbury, but Cliff Kingsbury had only been a, a head coach once at the college ranks. Yeah, He wasn't anywhere close to successful as Urban Meyer. And you're looking at him now as the only undefeated team in the NFL. And, and I think all the people who question that hire and question everything, whether it was his first year or last year, you know, however you want to go about talking about it, how about them apples now? So I think they knew what they were signing up for when they decided to bring him in. I think they knew how bad this team was and it would, it would take some time. And I, I'll stand by this. I think that's why you're going to see a lot of people, former front office executives, who are going to be bashing him and bashing the situation because they would love the opportunity to interview for that job, right? I mean, you will politic and do whatever you can to get one of those 32 jobs, one of those openings, and especially one with a unbelievable quarterback who's going to be young in his career, still a ton of draft picks and cap space. And by, oh, by the way, a team that's building onto their facilities, and they'll have a first-class facility and work environment that you know, wasn't the case when Urban Meyer took it over. You know, he's convinced Shotcon that's what they need. So that's what they're going to do now. So there's a lot of good things coming in the future for Jacksonville. It just really comes down to how this team performs the next couple of weeks and if this is water under the bridge. I mean, we have the same conversation about the Bears this week that we were a week ago. No. It's entirely different. Yeah. No, I mean, that, no, that, to your point, the NFL is a week-to-week league. You win a couple of games and, and everything cools down and people move on. And look, in 2021, the basic reality of it is that – you know, it's not like you know full 2016 or 2020, but in 2021, you know, still, people are going to find something else to get all up in arms about. 
You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's the, the cycle is 24 to 40 hours. Maybe a little bit longer just because of the timing of all this. I thought the, the weirdest thing was that um, that Urban Meyer decided to, he came out and said, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I just needed to walk. They're trying to get me out of the dance floor. Just needed to walk away. And everybody's like, all right. like, um, And then he apparently said the same thing to his players. I think, you know, you heard the, the, the report that players laughed about it. I think what happened was he told them that, he walks out and everybody's like, <laughs> that ain't true. Like, what, like, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's just not what happened. I mean, that, you, know, you can tell that from the video and then the, you know, the whole, I, well, I mean, look, look, here's the reality. We only know what's being reported. We're not him. We're not in that room. Sure. So we don't know. And that's part of the issue is like, yeah, were there, as I said before, were there some guys who probably didn't take it seriously and laughed at it? Of course. Or even laughed at his explanation. Right. Like yeah. it's usually the player who's talking to the coach when he gets put in this situation. And that's kind of on that same convert. That's that same line is. So what happens when a player gets caught for something like this next? Yeah. How's he going to handle that as a head coach? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you're it's, right. It's usually the other way around. And, you know, Ur Urban pointed out in his press conference on Monday, he said that, you know, he had told Trevor Lawrence when Trevor wanted to go to Vegas for his bachelor party to, you know, All right, be careful, surround yourself, you know, make sure you're, you know, insulated and you don't get, you know, it's that's that's the, that's the tough thing about all this is, you know, he's in his own restaurant. He's yeah. in a town where he used to live, a lot of close people. Uh, it, it's always tough, I think, you know, when, when you, you get to an NFL job, especially coming from college, I don't think you realize the magnitude of the NFL compared to college. Like, I, I think when you think about, like, he's one of the all-time great head coaches in college football. Sure. You know, that I don't know that that video comes out if he's the head coach at Ohio State. And I, I was about to right. say the exact same thing. The, I, I think 100%. Right, it's a different deal. And I just think when you get to the NFL, it's a different magnitude of people who are not trying to take you down, but just being in the limelight, being in the spotlight. There's was no the, was the, is the restaurant, I mean, I don't, I don't have research. Was the restaurant in Columbus or in? It's, it's in Dublin, Ohio. It's in my hometown. Right. But so it's, but it's like, it's, it is the heart of Buckeye country. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's in, it's a suburb of Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. In, in other words, my, my point being is that if in, in that spot, I, I think it is a lot less likely that a bunch of Ohio state fans tweet out a video of the Ohio and not only because you just don't want your coach to get in to deal with anything. And that right. like, and that, I know that sounds weird and fandom is she, but that's just the reality of it. You know, if you're, if you're in your own restaurant in a in a heavy Ohio State population area, you're not likely to have somebody tweet it out because people will be more mad at them than they are at you. But when you're the head yeah. coach of the Jaguars, it's kind of like, oh, look at old herbs here, and it, and then that's how it gets fired out a lot more a lot more quickly. So I I, <laughs> I agree with your point completely. This is a case for like one of the many reasons why you don't put your name on a restaurant when you're a celebrity, and because there's there's two reasons for that. Uh, a, you have to be there. You have to show yeah. up and show face. Because if you're if you put your name on it, people are coming to the restaurant to see you. Then you're subject to these sorts of things happening. And then the other reason is, is be like, what if someone gets like food poisoning or chokes on a chicken <laughs> wing or something like that? Like, there's just so much liability. Like, I don't care how much you make from that restaurant, it's not worth it. There's more downside risk. There's other investments out there. Like the margins at a restaurant are low as it is. And even if you don't have to put any money up and you're just putting up your name and likeness, you know, the damage to your reputation is, is much more fragile, uh, especially with a restaurant scenario, right? A bar fight and some guy gets choked out, like I said, an MMA and the octagon or something. I mean, there's a thousand different scenarios as to why you should not want to have a restaurant 
uh, a bar or anything of that nature with your name on it. Now you could be a silent investor. That's one thing, you know, yeah. maybe a place you like to hang out, you get your, your own room and you have the ability to hang out there behind closed doors, right? Behind the curtains. And choke some chicken wing at Urban. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like seven Oh goes to seven and one because of the chicken wing. I just, just, there's a, you know, I have to be a Michigan <laughs> fan. It, it, there, there's all these little things that like, I just, it's oh, yeah, not like Michigan, it. Michigan fan suffers from food poisoning at urban Myers restaurant. You know, like that's, it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, yeah, now it's a conspiracy theory, right? Like, yeah, sure. Hey, they got the Buckeyes this week. Was there something more to it? Was there something in the Buffalo dip? What happened here? Uh, all right. So where do you think, and I know you mentioned, you know, you said week to week league. I get it. And I agree with you. It, this stuff could blow over next week. Like they go and they go and like, if they win this week. It, you will not hear the same tone. I promise you. You will correct. not. Now, if you lose this week, which is likely, I mean, because they're not a very good football team, but they could win. If you lose this I week, mean, they're 14, nothing on the Bengals. Like there's, they had no business losing that game, but they still did. Well, I don't think that urban's done a great job coaching either. I mean, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's done a bad job. Like, I don't think he's like bottom five coaches well, in the I, NFL. I, I think they haven't put together an entire game. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's part of it. You know, he delegates as a head coach. Like I, I've said before, this whole idea that it's his, it's offense, not his offense. Yeah. He's not his offense. It's Daryl, Daryl Bevels, you know, and Brian Schottenham is a part of this, their passing game coordinator, you know, their, their defense, he's got his DC take care of that. So I think we've seen flashes of them obviously putting together a good first half on Thursday night football on a short week. I personally feel like, and I know there's many people that refute this. You kick the field goal. Okay. When you're a bad football team, you have to take any chance you can of just taking the points, taking the easy ones, because you, you're going to mess it up more often than not. So when you get those opportunities to take three and go up 17, nothing, you take them because they're more often than not, you're going to mess the game up and lose it, not the other team. So when you get those chances where, Hey, we're the ones up 17, nothing, guess what? Make them be the ones that have to go then down with 50 seconds left or whatever it was in the first half and kick a field goal or get a touchdown. Like, they had done crap the entire first half. Like, I, I remember hearing that logic where they're like, well, no, you know, go for the touchdown because you don't want to give Joe Burrow a short field if they have a good return. And I'm like, well, what does it matter? He hasn't done anything the entire first half. He's all of a sudden going to turn it on there, whether whether they get the ball at the one or they get it based on a kickoff at the, at the you know, 20 or whatever, they, 25, 30, whatever they return it to. It's like, what does it matter? So uh, that was – I th- look, Dan Campbell's all, he's fallen in that same trap too. They've got a terrible sure. team and they keep doing that. So uh, I just, that bothered me in that game outside of that, you know, it, it's a lack of execution. They're a young team. It's going to happen. Um, I just think they need to put together one full game, get a win. And then once they get a win, you just try to replicate that, but you got to learn how to win first in the NFL. You got to stop the snowball from rolling downhill, push it back up to the top and then try to get it rolling down the other side or, or just let it linger on the top of the mountain. No, just, you just, you, what you do is you let that snowball build up. All right, and they're at 0 and 4. It's it's building up pretty good. It's building some momentum down the hill, and you just throw a space heater. You know, one of those gasoline space heaters. You, heat you got a blowtorch. <laughs> yeah, yeah you just go. set that thing up right in the way of that snowball. It just blows a hole right through that thing. That's what you got to do. I remember back in the day, like having this, space heaters were like the greatest things ever. You know, you're out in the cold. Yeah. You got that thing blowing. You have them on sidelines. I remember if you're wearing any sort of nylon, you get too close to that thing, it's like on fire. Yeah. Um, all right, so if you have to, if you were, if I said the over-under is August, uh, March 2022, or no, over-under week 17 for Urban Myers, he's still coaching the Jaguars. Over. Okay. So you think he's back for, you think he's, you think he makes it back for a year or two? 
Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think Sean Khan's been patient with uh, previous head coaches. You know, he hasn't had to deal with something like this. Oh, no, no. I don't think coaches. it's, I think it's a strictly a does urban bounce situation. And it would be minutes, you know, I said this a bunch. People are like, well, I mean, is he going to make it past week five? Like, look, the guys who left the NFL, like when you talk, when we talk about Steve Spurrier, who is a you know, Hall of Fame caliber coach, maybe he's in the Hall of Fame, who won a national title, he's still, we still, he's still dinging for whiffing in the NFL. Uh, when you talk about Bobby Petrino, obviously it's like that guy, you know, I mean, if he didn't have the motorcycle thing, we would talk about the NFL more. Um, you know, anybody who's, you know, Chip Kelly killed for it. Even it took Nick Saban winning like five national titles for people to just shut up about the NFL to the point where it's like, all right, you know, like, okay, the Dolphins didn't work out. Saban, look what he's doing at Bama. It's, you know, and so um, I, I think from that perspective, if Urban left in the middle of the first of his first season, it would, it would obliterate all the legacy that he had built up, or at least taint all the legacy he had built up to the point where he's just not going to do that. He's going to try and win. He's got Trevor freaking Lawrence. Right. He's got Trevor Lawrence. He's got, uh, he's, there are some talent on that roster. They got space, they got picks and all that. So I, I think, again, I think he realized what he was taking on. You know, it was going to be a slow build. It wasn't going to be what, you know, he thought, um, or, or I guess, I guess I should say what he had at other college football uh, opportunities. The interesting thing though, is like everyone connects him to the USC job. And I know there was some hesitation because of his past transgressions to hire him you know, when he was out for a couple of years. And so now it's like, okay, well, how does it make any sense that they're going to hire him now? Like based on all that's come out, like if their president had an issue before, how's this changing anything? Like, how's this making it any better? So I think that rumor that continues to circulate out there, you know, maybe they're in a different position now than, and she's not the one making the decision, you know, Carol Fult, I believe is her name. Um, but that's something that I think is out there that I'm just kind of like, I mean, how does that work? You know, like, like how, how, how has that situation gotten any better for him to you know, leave and be the head coach? And to your point, I don't think anyone who's got a legacy wants to do that and be looked at as someone who just kind of like gave it up and went right back to what he knew in the college realm. I think he wants to stay and take advantage of this opportunity that he's had. Yeah, he yeah absolutely. And I'm sure he would prefer that the, you know, he wasn't four weeks in and he's having to apologize multiple, like, multiple times for multiple different, he apologized in week two, like, sorry, our team sucked. And then in week four, it's like, my bad about the bar thing. Uh, I'm sure we'll have much more to come on Urban Meyer unless they win two in a row. Let's take a break. Oh, I know. Uh, we're talking about, co we're going to do mid quarter, quarter season awards. Is Urban Meyer coach of the year? Probably not, but we'll tell you who is next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Obviously, Urban Meyer is not coach of the year, but we do need to talk about the other awards. And of course, we start with MVP. Now, Brady, I think you put yours in last night. I did. Before the Monday Night Football game, or excuse me, this is, we record this on Tuesday. I, look, you have like some affinity with the Chargers. Like, I'm just not there yet. Look, Justin Herbert, all right? He's one of the best, one of the best young quarterbacks. What are, you, what are you talking about? I'm just saying. Who's your quarter I, season I think, MVP? I said Kyler Murray. Oh, I thought you said Derek Carr. Or did I say Derek Carr? No, I said Derek Carr, and then I said Kyler Murray. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm killing this entire tease, aren't I? Yeah. I'm trying to find the email I sent Debo. I mean, right, so who would your answer be for quarter season MVP? It's Kyler Murray. Uh, well, yeah, you're saying that because of how Derek Carr played. Yeah, I would say Kyler Murray's been who I who I, I think has been the MVP so far. And then you're basing that off of obviously after week four because how Derek Carr looked versus Chargers. But I would Derek say Carr, Derek Carr's game, right there. He's right there. He's yeah. Right there. I would say he's he had one bad game. Um and so we unfortunately like have to hold that against him. But yeah, he he would have been right up there before Monday Night Football. Now we'd say Calibury's the guy, and that's by the way who I think will probably end up winning it by the end of the season. Ooh, but that's even the next question. I do I do I do have some concerns because if you remember in past years, right? Like they started off with six and two last year, whatever their hot star five and two Arizona got off to, and then it kind of fizzled out. And like that's kind of been the case for them with Cliffs Kingsbury and Kyler Murray since they've, they've been there, that's my only concern. Although this feels different this year, like the way their defense is playing all their pieces on offense, like unless Kyler Murray gets hurt, I think he's going to be the MVP winner when it's all said and done. So I, right now, Kyler Murray is indeed the favorite. Kyler Murray was my pick at the quarter season. It's, you know, the Cardinals are undefeated. He is playing really good football and you're right. They did fizzle off for sure. I would point out that when he hurt his shoulder, they, they basically didn't let him run anymore for, you know, for whatever reason. He's, by the way, Kyler Murray, five to one right now. Uh, Patrick Which is Mahomes, odd, by the way. It's not like he uses his shoulder when he runs. He does fact, as good of a job of anyone of getting down, like sliding, getting down, not getting hit. So in I, fact, that if anything, yeah, if anything, you run, run him more. <laughs> so he's not throwing with his shoulder. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I didn't, or, I didn't or, or getting um, sacked and landing on the shoulder. So uh, Derek Carr, by the way, 30 to one at Caesars to win the MVP. Would you invest in that? Or do you think that's a little too long or is it a little too unlikely to happen? I guess is the question. Um, I think it's, it's a little bit of a long shot, although I think it's worth to sprinkle a little bit on it just because of what their offense looks like. Now I wouldn't do that. Make that bet yet. I'd wait a couple of weeks. I want yeah. to see how this offensive line responds to their butt kicking that they took on Monday night football. Did they get exposed? Are other teams going to try to do some similar things to what we saw from Brandon Staley's Chargers? Or are they going to be able to recover from that? Well, they should get Richie Incognito back at some point. That should help solidify the interior of that pocket. Um, and they're not running the football overly well. So, you know, if they get a little more balance, maybe that takes some pressure off of him. But I would wait a couple of weeks to see how this thing sorts itself out. Uh, otherwise, I think they're on pace for maybe one of those dramatic declines. Yeah, and, and the thing is, even if they win a few games in the next couple of weeks, the Chiefs and Chargers both look pretty good, and the Broncos are right there as well. So, Carr's odds are not going to like shoot up to like five to one or ten to one. 
because it's really, you're going to have to win. As Breach has pointed out, the division winner is usually the guy. Usually the MVP comes from a division winner. Just that's just sort of how it works. You know, you don't have an a, a MVP on a nine win team or a 10 win team that doesn't win the division. So that's worth looking at. Uh, the other guy that I had sort of circled, I, Kyler was my pick as well, but Dak Prescott, I, I certainly yeah. looked at. Man, he's playing awesome football. And the awesome Cowboys football. look completely different from last year. The addition of Dan Quinn has, has, uh, has helped take that defense up to average which is helping the offense and Dak is in complete control at the line of scrimmage Zeke Elliott's running really well you know um Kellen Moore is dialing up perfect play calls and is is there a chance that he gets he's a shoe-in for comeback player of the year correct so is there a chance that because everyone knows he's going to win that that he maybe takes away some MVP votes votes at the end of it. Do you think that's, that's saying he loses MVP votes? So I yes, asked because Pete, people are like, uh, I asked, I asked Pete about this actually, because I was curious and I said, Pete, would you, if you thought Dak was the MVP, would you vote for somebody else for comeback player of the year? He said, no, I would just, I would just, cause Pete's a vote for both. Yeah. He said he would just vote Dak for both if he was doing that. So if Dak has an MVP season, he could win both. But that was my thinking all along was Sam Darnold, you know, and we'll get to comeback player of the year in a minute, but, um, I think we have that on there, but like Sam Darnold or Joe Burrow could be good bets for comeback player of the year. If you think Dak wins MVP and the voters just you know want to spread the wealth, but spread it out. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, my pick for MVP at the end of the season, though, Josh Allen. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, look at the run they're on right now. They're three game run. I mean, they're after week one, you're like, wait, what happened? And then yeah, you're still kind of scratch your head going, how'd they lose the Steelers? Yeah, week but one. Now, week yeah, one's a liar, man. Um, Allen's playing really good football again. He's eight to one at Caesars. That might be a little too short to invest in, particularly when you got to deal with Patrick Mahomes. And but if the Bills get the one seed in the AFC, and it looks like they should cruise in the AFC East, then I think Allen will be a very compelling case for MVP, especially if you know Dak is sort of there. But th- this is where, to your point, if it's like if it's a toss up between Allen and Dak. I can see them going. I can see voters going. Allen is MVP and Dak has comeback, and you feel like you effectively honored both of those in, in an appropriate fashion. I can uh, see that. Yeah. Oh, Brady, I don't know if you heard me mention it. I have a seven-year-old child here. You have three mm-hmm. children, so you know what I'm. You know, I mean, I shouldn't even complain about one seven-year-old, but you know, when you got a podcast eight hours a day, and you got to deal with a seven-year-old, you got to do homework. Uh, by the way, one piece of homework: he's, his first his first report is uh, talking about what either mom or dad do for a living. He has to draw a picture of one of his parents working. I just can't wait for it to be like me lying on the couch with a laptop, like, like splayed out, or like me asleep in bed or something like daddy's podcasting. Um, at any rate, I'm always looking for solutions when it comes to feeding my family on a nightly basis to be prepared to be ahead of time, not to have to go to the grocery store every freaking night, texting with my wife, like, oh, what do you want? I don't know. I don't know. You decide. When you're working as hard as I do to prepare for this show, you need to have something that's prepared for whatever life throws your way. And that includes a high quality, high quality meat delivered right to my door. And Butcher Box, Butcher Box makes things incredibly easy. Each box has nine to 11 pounds of meat to your choosing, like free range organic chicken, humanely raised pork, wild caught lobster tails, and wild caught Alaskan salmon. Mm-mm-mm. It's great to know mm-hmm. I can skip the grocery store. I really do. I hate going to the grocery store like every day. It drives me nuts because I have meat waiting for me in my freezer. And luckily, today's sponsor for the podcast, ButcherBox, has an awesome offer for you, our listeners and viewers. ButcherBox is giving two new members, or no, excuse me, ButcherBox is giving new members two pounds of free ground beef in every order for the life of your membership. 
Imagine never having to shop for ground beef again. It's still a no brainer. You just, you sign up for a butcher box and you're getting two extra pounds of ground beef. That is a great deal. You can make enchiladas. You can make tacos, you make any, anything you want. Cause you're getting that beef in there. Once you sign up, you choose your box and delivery frequency. Sometimes I customize my very own box of meat, but then other times I let the butcher box guys send me their own great selection of meats. ButcherBox ships to your ships your order frozen at peak freshness and packed in 100% recyclable box. Shipping is always free, and you enjoy great tasting, high quality meat delivered right to your door. This is your chance to never have to shop for ground beef again. That's right, ButcherBox is giving new members free ground beef for life. Sign up at butcherbox.com/pick6p-i-c-k-s-i-x and get two pounds of ground beef free in every single order for the life of your membership. Log on to butcherbox.com/pick6 to claim this deal now. Man, I might. I mean, crown beef for life, Brady. It's a good deal. That uh, that is one where I have to read the fine print though, because I want them to honor that and really be for life. All right? <laughs> you're like, you're like, sir, you are ninety five years old. <laughs> Please, I've I've had Butcher Box. All right, it's fantastic. Oh. I, I would tell anyone. I, yeah, we've done this before. I'd tell anyone to sign up, get it. It's really easy. It's great quality meats, but if you're going to offer it out there, lifetime supply, I want you to meet it. All right. That's all I'm saying. You got to meet it. If you're going to say it. I love this. We got a, uh, a not only an, or not only an organic, well, an organic endorsement of butcher box, but also a demand in butcher box. That, that yes, you do at the same time. Cause I remember that, that uh, protein shake it was, it was an EAS commercial. I did. Yeah. I remember they now, told me. Like, now oh, I'm ready. Or wait, was it yeah, now? Now I'm no, done. Now I'm done. Uh, you get a lifetime supply of, of these Myoplex protein shakes. I was like, lifetime supply, huh? We'll yeah. see about that. I ran through that thing in my first year. And I hit them up <laughs> after the first year of the deal. I go, hey, we're a year into this thing. I, I already drank them all. And they're like, did you look at them and say, now I'm done? <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, it, well, it takes some people apparently a lifetime. It took me one year. And, and I was like, do we get any more? And they're like, oh, um, we actually didn't mean a lifetime supply. We just meant like a, a normal, normal human's lifetime, lifetime supply. Yeah. We gave you the, that, that's the good thing about the ButcherBox deal is it's as long as you're a member of ButcherBox, you get the two pounds of ground beef included in there. So that's, that's a good deal. Got to become a member. Got to become a member. Go to butcherbox.com slash pick six. Go get, go get that beef, son. Uh, that beef. <laughs> defensive player of the year. If you had to pick a winner right now, who'd you go with? Miles Garrett. I mean, okay. he's he's incredible. And he's so it's no surprise. And and, and I, that leads you to who would it be at the end of the season then for me? Oh, I had Miles Garrett at the end of the season as well. So Okay, but you don't have right now. I went with Trevon Diggs. Okay. He's just it's well. sort of yeah. a Garrett could have won it, but the idea being Let's honor, like, like you know, quarter season awards aren't worth anything, but we can recognize somebody who's having a great quarter of the season that is unsustainable for the full course of incredible, the season. Incredible, incredible. However, what I look at, though, with that defense is how Micah Parsons was able to go from linebacker to DN and how well he's played. Dude, he's, like, calling out shifts and everything. Like, it's crazy. Dude, it's amazing. And, and, and so because of that, like, I thought of Trayvon Diggs, but I was like, well – Parsons probably actually has had a bigger impact on that defense this year. And then especially with his flexibility. So even though he's had a huge impact, he's played fantastic. I won't take anything away from him. I just looked at that defense and go, well, Parsons is probably more important though to them having that success, especially through the injuries they've been dealt. So that was the more, more of my logic there. 
Oh, and uh, no, 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 I, I, I got no problem with it. And, and to point out, like, I don't think Diggs is going to win. He's 10 to one right now. Don't bet that. Uh, Stephon Gilmore and Charles Woodson are the only defensive backs to win this award in the last yeah. century. This award goes to somebody with a ton of sacks and or uh, Aaron Donald. Look, try to find some value out there for this. I don't hate Derwin James. at 30. I know I said don't, don't bet on a defensive back. I don't hate Derwin James at 30 to one. I still think there's value in Brian Burns at 40 to one. I think any edge rusher, because that's what it's going to be, or interior defensive player like Aaron Donald if he turns things around. But to your point, the hard part with a cornerback is, like Trayvon Diggs, no one's going to throw at him now. Like, yep. you're just not. Or you're going to throw at him less, so have less opportunities, less statistics. And so the years when, like, Stephon Gilmore or Darrell Reeves, whoever you're throw in that conversation, you'd be like, well, yeah, they're the best, but they have no stats. And it's like, did they play? Yeah, they were on an island. Like, yeah. Reeves just locked them down his island, and no one ever threw their way. So – that's the difficulty. Uh, James, potentially, but I think that's reliant then on how that team performs. Like, they right. have to be winning that division then, right? Which is, it's a tough division to win. So, I don't know if I like that for a long shot bet. Um, how about Joey Bosa? How about Joey Bosa at 16 to 1? That That's way better in my opinion because he is that edge rusher. And even though I'm going to contradict myself what I just said, I, I think he's got that leg ahead. Where, like, people are going to stop throwing at Derwin James, even though he's a safety if he's matched up against, you know, the best tight ends or whoever one-on-one. Well, and also Derwin makes, Derwin makes, you know, Joey Bosa makes Derwin's life he easier. He makes Joey better. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, but Derwin is more likely, Derwin is more likely to help generate sacks for Joey than Joey is to generate interceptions for Derwin. Maybe not. I guess it's about the same, but uh, it works hand in hand. I would actually say if you had to pick between the two, you'd rather have a, a pass rush than coverage because yeah. you could scheme up some things. So like from my perspective, and as a quarterback, I don't care how good you are as a DB. I will find a way to scheme up a guy open or throw a ball where my guy can get it and you can't. Whereas if you got a guy who's just crushing your tackle all day or getting after you all day, there's nothing you can do about that. Like right. he's getting off your spot. He might take you away from the matchup you want to go to and then flush you to the left and your guy's all the way on the right. And you don't have time to turn, spin, and try to chuck that thing back across the field. So. I don't know that there's any value. Miles Garrett, anything five to one or better is takeable. I, it's please plus 350. That's just a little short. Although if we get to midseason and he's playing as well as he is and the Browns are still winning football games, he, he'll get down to like minus 125 or something like that, which you know, yep. worth, worth uh, potentially taking a stab at. As I, as I mentioned, I took some Brian Burns at 53 to one. I don't hate him at 40 to one. Panthers will have to be very good all season long, and that might be asking too much. We do think Miles Garrett will be great all season long. Coach of the year. I actually had two guys I wrote down. I said, Debo, I know that Brady's going to take the first guy. And you did. So I, I said, I'll take the second guy. Who's your, uh, who's your pick? Cliff Kingsbury. Good so far. I think that makes a lot of sense. Give him some credit. Damn, is he good looking. Handsome, you know, handsome, easy handsome to good at. looking. Yeah. Makes, uh, makes Kings good looking or however you want to put it. But uh, handsome, no, handsome he, pants or whatever. Yeah, he's good looking. Yeah. Um, he, he should, he, I mean, he's one of at this point, I think he's done a tremendous job, but, but I was on the same wavelength with you about the bills. And so I've got Sean McDermott because I think they're going to run away with the AFC East Yep. and the way they're playing right now, um, even though they're not undefeated still what three and one, I mean, they've been beating the tires off people right now. So I got McDermott by the end of the year winning, because I think he could have made a case for him a little bit last year too. Oh, Absolutely. So the current favorite right now is actually Brandon Staley, who would be was my pick for quarter 
Hall Award. And oh, again, Kingsbury, I have no problem with that. I said Kingsbury or Staley, depending on the outcome of Monday Night Football. Staley is looks like a really good young coach in his first year. Right. Like four games in, but he's three and one. He took down the Chiefs. Now he says, all right, too much. But I'm not, you know, I say a bunch of stuff too much. I don't know if you noticed that in his is, videos. Yeah. Is he the defensive or defensive? Ver- yes. yes. Sean McVay, defensive Sean McVay. Yeah. I, I, by the way, this is great for the NFL because it also gets rid of that stigma of like, oh, you know, you can't have a young defensive-minded, hot defensive-minded coach because they usually like it's like a Vic Fangio, Mike Zimmer, like older, def- yep. you know, defensive-minded head coaches. This throws a wrench in that entire theory, and I think he knows how to manage Justin Correct. Herbert well. Now, granted, some of it comes from his perspective. If I'm not mistaken, he played quarterback back in the day. Yeah, I think it was at in college James at James Madison. It would have been John Carroll probably, but I John think it was Carroll. at he might have been at Dayton. Oh, did he transfer to John Dayton. Carroll? All right, yep. so he uh, yeah. he went to college at Dayton. And he transferred maybe to John Carroll. That oh, was yeah, he was, he was day, 16 to 5 is Dayton's starting quarterback. There you go. Diva, the best. Um, so so I, I think there's a lot to his perspective in seeing it from a quarterback's perspective, but then understanding how to stop that, but also at the same time, like understanding how important Justin is. Like so many defensive-minded head coaches – they minimize the impact of a quarterback and what it means. Yep. And you're like, dude, you spend your entire career trying to stop him. This guy's valuable to you. You better he, you better treat him differently than you do other guys on your team because he is different. He's a leader. It's you and him. You guys are attached to the hip. And so I think Brandon Staley gets that. Yeah. And the other thing he does, and this McVay does this really well, but it doesn't get as much run because he is calling the plays or, you know, have, you know, involved. I mean, obviously he's calling the plays, um, but I, I think Brandon Sealy and McVeigh are both very good CEO types who are, you, you know, you, you can't run a football team. You can't run a business. You can't be in charge of anything. If you don't know how to delegate, and you don't know how to find good people around you who can like Brandon Staley doesn't need to be involved in every single play call. That's why he hired Joe Lombardi to, you know, to be, you know, he's up in the box or whatever. He's not down the sideline, by the way, John Carroll and James Madison as a coach um, before Joining up with the Chicago Bears for Brandon Staley, where he hit any, any, I, I, I think it was Robert Mays' article, maybe, but Staley has talked about how he fell in love with Vic Fangio's scheme. Vic Fangio. Yeah. It, he, it's like, the new invoke scheme now in the NFL. Yeah. But he, he, I, I think he basically like he got lucky. Like some, a friend of a friend was like, yeah, like I can get you an intro with this Bears, you know, this Bears coaching staff. He got on there. Fangio sort of took him in as a mentor. Um, and then he went with Fangio when Fangio took the Broncos job and then bounced to become the defensive coordinator for the Rams uh, last year. And then, I mean, it's a meteoric rise and he is the favorite to win coach of the year. Sean McDermott is 20 to one right now to win coach of the year. That's a good bet. It's definitely never a good bet it. from a value standpoint. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's never won it. They, they, I think will definitely be in the hunt. Um, I still think, even though they got waxed by the Cardinals, I still think they're they're one of the best teams in the NFC. I think. You, by the way, you, you got seven teams who are playing for a Super Bowl. No, 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 no. I'm saying McDermott, not McVeigh. Oh, Mc, McDermott would make a ton of sense at that number. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. McVeigh is but, but, okay, uh, but so 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 let me put it this way: but you have seven teams right now who are playing for a Super Bowl. I think after the first quarter of the season. And so, obviously, you still throw the Chiefs and Bucks in there, which I think because they're both coming off Super Bowl appearances, I don't know that anyone's going to give Bruce Arians or Andy Reid the benefit of the doubt. So, let's, like, cast them aside. The five others you've got, Matt LaFleur, 
Green Bay Packers, obviously, with the way Rodgers mm-hmm. is playing and how he manages it. Maybe get some credit for that. Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, right? That's the other three teams, in my opinion, in the NFC you could talk about. Okay. And then on the AFC side, you've got the Buffalo Bills, all right, and the Baltimore Ravens. And so I, I just think McDermott probably is the favorite between him and John Harbaugh in the AFC. And if you look at the NFC, I think you've got McVay. I think you've got, since he's never won it, as you talked about, I still think they're one of the best teams. Let's just yeah, kind of M- push M- aside. McVay won it in 2017. Oh, he did win it too. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, McDermott, McDermott has been a viable candidate three years now and hasn't won it. And if the Bills get the number one seed in the AFC and they're the dominant team and Josh Allen's MVP, I think McDermott gets coach of the year. I agree with you. I think McDermott at 20 to one is a very good bet. Mike McCarthy at 18 to one, not a terrible bet either. If the Cowboys win 12 games and, and people. See, they're still on the fringe for me. Like I, I still am not. Buying. Remember it's a regular season award. Teams. Regular season award. I, I get that. I get that. I'm just saying like, I'm still not buying into They Granted that division's going to be easy to win. I'm not buying into them sustaining like how they've played thus far. Like I still That's got right. some questions about it. Maybe, maybe I'll be wrong. But I still have questions about it. Um, all right, let's rip through some other awards. You and I both agree that it's a no-brainer. The offensive rookie of the year right now is Jamar Chase. Yes, it's easy, very easy. Do you? I disagree that he will win it by the end of the year, but it's not out of the question. Who do you have winning it at the end of the year? I got Mac Jones. I, uh, I, I think hope you're right. he'll start continue to. Yeah, I think he'll start to continue to play better. I mean, you could make the case he outplayed Tom Brady. I mean, is that a hot take? I don't think it is. Hey, but yeah, I think it's a. I mean, he had no no rushing support. Um, he threw for what almost 300 yards, a couple tutties. I mean, he he was the reason why they got a shot. I, I actually would have wished Bill Belichick gave him the shot on fourth and three to try to you know move the ball down the field. And one of the things that bothered me about the decision to kick the field goal there was what was it they made it? Like, didn't they have 50 seconds left and 55 seconds and you were losing? You were going to lose. <laughs> like, you were yeah, you're gonna lose in that instance. So I'm like, I, this looks good, but like, why aren't you putting Mac Jones in the position to try to get you that fourth and three? Um yeah. So I think by the end of it, like that situation, that situation plays itself out differently as Bill Belichick gets to you know, have more confidence in Mac Jones. I I have uh, Trey Lance winning it, but that was just sort of a stab. Uh, I've no, I have a Mac Jones bet, and Mac Jones is the favorite. I got no problem with that. Um, there's a lot of season left, buddy. Uh, if I were taking a longer shot bet, I would look at Devontae Smith at twenty to one. Think he could, you know, just. But, you know, on the potential that he just puts up massive numbers and the quarterback struggle. You know who's not going to get any pub or anything talking about him is Panay Sewell. He has been incredible, but because they stink and all that, like you're not going to see him get as much pub. But since they put him back at left tackle, he's been good. He's been solid. Where does Panay Sewell have? Uh, he's not even, not even on the odd no. sheet. Rashawn Slater's That's what I'm on saying. there. He's an offensive lineman. He's never going to get it. Rash- they got Rashawn, Rashawn Slater on there? Rashawn Slater will be in that mix too. Rashawn Slater's had a heck of himself a rookie year. So. Rashawn Slater, I just saw it. Where was it? He's he's like fifty to one. It's insane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no one's gonna give it to him. No, no. He, he should be in is... consideration. Correct. That's never happening. Um, we also agree. Oh, this is a clean sweep. This one will be easy. Defensive rookie of the year right now is Micah Parsons. Yes, it is. And at the end of the year, it'll be Micah Parsons. That's correct. I, I, if he stays healthy, he's probably gonna uh, cruise to that award. I want to see what he is currently. The odds for defensive rookie of the year. Oh wow. What? He's plus four. He's four to one right now. That's a that's a bet. Right? Plus four twenty-five yeah. to win rookie of the year, uh defensive rookie of the year at Caesars. Yeah. I take that, that bet every day of the week. You hammer that bet. Yeah. A, I mean, I'm three. a little bit confused by why it's at that. Like, do they know something we don't? Is he gonna get I, I think mean, this is a bad number? Like minus 125. <laughs> yeah, he should be ahead. Yeah, yeah, this is a, maybe more this than is that. A, I was gonna say first, minus one fifty. 
This is the first ever Brady Quinn football show consensus lock of the century of the week. This is a, a whale play, kiddos. <laughs> like this, uh, what is it? Uh, Vegas Dave sends out the thousand units. It's like, it's like your bankroll is fifty units. This is a thousand unit triple max whale play. That's what that's what this is. Is uh, we are hammering. That's a bad number. That is. It's not good for the books, but obviously not enough people are laying some money on it. So we'll see. All right, if you got Caesars, if you got Caesars, you see anywhere else? Let me just um. Hold on. Sorry, before we move on, I'm just going to look up and see what uh what he might be at another possible legal. Isn't it nice to have legal sports betting? I actually went to um when I was in Charlottesville. I, I didn't even realize it. I was like, oh my god, I can bet on. I, I was like, I can bet on uh, I can bet on yeah. I can bet on football here. You're like all those New Yorkers who drove to Jersey and had to pay the uh, the, the tolls uh, going over the bridge. And all right, there, all right. that was so the only on their bet. In fact, I went and just, I mean, uh, just to mention it, DraftKings Sportsbook, he's plus 450. Who's stealing this award from him, Brady? Uh, Pat Sertan, maybe? I mean, I, I'm trying to think. You know who I, I'm, I'm really high on? They talked about a decent amount in the uh, Pats-Bucks game was Christian Barmore. Like, I, I think he's been solid so far. Um, I don't know. Tough to like, get the honestly, stats. Tough to get the stats from where he is. Yeah. No, and that's that's always the issue, I think, with any interior defensive player, unless you're Chris Jones and Aaron Donald. And then yeah. as a cornerback, same thing. Like, once you see enough of Pat Sertan, you're not going to throw his way anymore. Asante so. Samuel is 10 to 1. That's too short for him, although he's been very good. I have him. I, have, I picked him before the season. Joe Tryon at 16 to 1 is not a terrible bet. Gregory Rousseau at 16 to 1. I just think if this continues along the path that it's on with the Cowboys defense being just average, and Michael Plus Parsons, he plays for the Cowboys. He plays for the Cowboys. Like he gets the benefit of the doubt, correct, the exposure, correct. all of it. I think he's built up enough goodwill too, where like it gets locked inside the back of everyone's head. They just kind of coast from there with that opinion. All right. Uh, comeback player of the year award. We both agree that right now it's a no brainer. It is. It is Dak. Yeah, speaking of the Cowboys, it's Dak Prescott. Yeah. You brought up a great point though. Like if he is up for MVP and he's getting MVP, do voters look to go elsewhere with this award for a guy like Joe Burrow? Who, at least at this point, it easily make a case for what Joe Burrow's done being comeback player of the year. I mean, hell, at this rate, you know, he'll, he'll, he's going to make them competitive in the division. Now, there's still a lot of football left to be played. Yeah. Uh, and Pete Prisco's standing by. He's standing by, Will. His, uh, his, his, his what do you say? I did, not say years. I did not say two Super Bowls. I said one Super Bowl. Okay. He actually said multiple that night, which Sorry. I was there for, and Chris Hassel will vouch for as well. But as you know with Pete, he just flip-flops like a fish out of water. So uh, he's got, what, nine years left when multiple, which is kind of technically more than two if you really look at it. Right, exactly. He's a tiny tan fish flopping around. Um, all right, that's it for the show. You got to go do HQ. As always, great stuff. Make sure to uh, follow uh, what's your at 3RD. At Brady underscore Quinn. Yeah. Oh, you or, or the other. Yeah, well, it's, it's been that for a while, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, and go check out Brady Quinn's foundation. Also watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, he's on there regularly arguing with the flip-flopper himself. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.